All right, 2 Samuel 7, verse 1. Now it came to pass when the king was dwelling in his house, and the Lord had given him rest. Everyone say, given him rest. Given him rest from all of his enemies all around, that the king said to Nathan the prophet, See, now I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells inside tent curtains. Then Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But it happened that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, Would you build a house for me to dwell in? For I have not dwelt in a house since the time that I brought the children of Israel up from Egypt, even to this day but have moved about in a tent and in a tabernacle. Wherever I have moved about with all the children of Israel, have I ever spoken a word to anyone from the tribes of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now therefore, thus shall you say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheepfold, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people, over Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone and have cut off all your enemies from before you and have made you a great name like the name of the great men who are on the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them and that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more. Nor shall the sons of wickedness oppress them anymore as previously since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel and have caused you to rest from all your enemies. Also, the Lord tells you that he will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you, who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. And he shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. And if he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. Everyone say forever. According to all these words and according to all this vision, so Nathan spoke to David. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord. So he sits down before the Lord and he said, who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house that you have brought me this far? And yet this was a small thing in your sight, O Lord God. And you have also spoken of your servant's house for a great while to come. Is this the manner of man, O Lord God? Now what more can David say to you? For you, Lord God, know your servant. For your word's sake and according to your own heart, you have done all these great things to make your servant known to them. Therefore, you are great, O Lord God. For there is none like you, nor is there any God beside you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. Who is like your people, like Israel, the one nation on the earth whom God went to redeem for himself as a people, to make for himself a name and to do for yourself great and awesome deeds for your land before your people whom you redeemed for yourself from Egypt, the nations and their gods. For you have made your people Israel your very own people forever, and you, Lord, have become their God. Now, O Lord God, the word which you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house, establish it forever and do as you have said. So let your name be magnified forever, saying, The Lord of hosts is the is the God over Israel, and let the house of your servant David be established before you. For you, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, have revealed this to your servant, saying, I will build you a house. Therefore your servant has found it in his heart to pray this prayer to you. And now, O Lord God, you are God, and your words are true, and you have promised this goodness to your servant. Now therefore, let it please you to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue before you forever. For you, O Lord God, have spoken it, And with your blessing, let the house of your servant be blessed forever. Say forever again. Forever. All right. 
So at this point, when, when David says, now it came to pass when the king was dwelling in his house and the Lord had given him rest from all of his enemies, it's unprecedented because he's in a cedar house. He's dwelling in a house of cedar that was put together by Hiram of Lebanon as the cedars of Lebanon were brought in. There's 4,000 musicians. There's 4,000 guards guarding the palace. Uh, he's got a series of musicians that pass in and through all the people are united within the kingdom. The first time in the history of Israel in this sense, all the nations are united. David has vanquished all of his enemies. Uh, you know, Goliath is dead. Saul is dead. The kingdom is established. David is at rest. And, and all of this is taking place. Uh, and then at this moment, David's heart's desire is crushed. Now, I just want to stop for a minute because this is kind of going to be the application for us as a people. And I think all of us can relate to it. I want you to consider a time in your life where your heart's desire was crushed, or maybe a number of times. I can think of a number of folks who've longed to have children that never could. I can think of people probably that want to be married that aren't. I can think of people that asked for a cure that didn't come. I can think of people that wanted to be pastors that aren't. I can think of people who wanted to be missionaries that aren't. I can think of people who wanted to be serving in a different location than where they're serving. I can think of a number of things. I can think of a job that you wanted that you didn't get. I can think of a family that you wish you had that you never did. I can think of folks that were raised in single-parent families that miss their, their dad or miss their mom. I can think of children that have gone astray and your heart's broken over that and you've cried out to God. You know, I, I can think for my own self last night, just a, a, a trial in my own family. And today I, I had to do what God did to, to David. I had to say no. It's wonderful to say yes to your kids. It's hard to say no. And I, I, I know that that word no is creating havoc this evening. I know that there's silence on the other end. I know that there's rebellion and turmoil and anger. And, and I see David here He's, he's, he's at rest. He's not in sin. He's at rest. God's given him the rest. The scriptures say that the Lord had given him rest from all of his enemies all around. He's at complete rest. He's looking over the expanse of this kingdom, and he's at complete rest, yet his heart is uneasy. And why? Because he's looking at these cedars in this temple, or the, excuse me, he's looking at his palace. He's looking at the buildings. He's looking where he's living, and he's looking across the way. And this is one of those things that you see in Deuteronomy 16, 16, when it says, Three times a year all your males shall appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, at the Feast of Weeks, and at the Feast of Tabernacles. And they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. So at least three times a year, all of the men and their families gather in Jerusalem in the center where the, the Ark of the Covenant is located, where the temple is in the Holy of Holies. And David is, is in a palace of cedar, an absolute resplendent palace, and he's looking in the distance, and there is this tent this tent that was sewn together by, you know, garment makers and the like. And David is thinking, Lord, I'm sitting here. You vanquished all my enemies and your pl place is here. And I, I look at the contrast and God, my heart is heavy. And I got to commend David because his desire is, is wholesome. Let me, let me say that. His desire is wholesome. You've had your heart crushed, but <laughs> your, your desire wasn't wholesome. Yeah, I wanted the doctor to fulfill a script. And he didn't. Well, you have a drug addiction problem. There's nothing wholesome in your request and the brokenness of, of, of your heart that this is what you're longing for and you're angry. That's not wholesome. 
And you're, you're upset because your parents didn't send you whatever. You think it doesn't matter if it's not wholesome. But in this case, David's heart is wholesome. He's looking at God in a tent of fabric, and he's living in a palace, a resplendent palace, and his heart's heavy. And so his desire is wholesome. And he's, he's burdened by this. And in his heart, he sees that God is dwelling in tent curtains. And so he said, so Nathan said to the king, David, what is, what's wrong when he just said, look at this. And he, he gives the contrast and Nathan sees it and he sees David's heart. He's moved by, by David's heart. And what's amazing about David is he's surrounded by godly counsel. Nathan's a good guy. And Nathan looks at David's heart and he sees the, the contrast and it just seems right. And Nathan looks at David and he says, you know what, David? Verse three, go and do all that is in your heart and the Lord is with you. Go do it. Go build that sucker. Man, look what you did with the palace. Could you imagine what you could do for a temple for God? I mean, the pagan gods have temples. Our God is in, a, in tent curtains. Go do it, David, and do it with all your might, just like you slew Goliath. Light it up, man. I mean, this palace is resplendent. I can't even imagine what you do with the temple. Go, David. And so Nathan tells him to do that. And then that night, it says it happened that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan. Basically, God said, Nathan, would you do me a favor? Before you give counsel to the king, would you ask me first? How often do we open our mouth and counsel to others without asking God for counsel from him? Let me repeat that. How often we give counsel to others without asking God first for counsel from him. And we think our counsel is so wise. See? No, that didn't work. Every time somebody comes into my office to sit down, and, and, and seeks counsel, I pray out of James. If any man lacks wisdom, all he need but do is ask of God, and God will give freely to him who asks. You come and sit in my office, you'll hear that prayer. I'll pray that right in front of you. And I say, God, would you give us wisdom? Would you give us discernment and insight? And I pray and I ask for that. And Nathan, that night as he's going through his prayers, he hears the Lord speak to his heart, and he says, you go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, would you have build a house for me to dwell in, for I have not dwelt in a house since the time that I was brought up. And what he's saying is, I don't need that. I don't need it. David, there's, there's, I get it. I know that I'm in a tent, but did I ever ask you for that? Did I ever ask you for a temple? Was I ever dissatisfied with that? And, and, you know, I can imagine Nathan saying, but God, you know, the, the pagan gods have temples that they're resplendent. David's heart was burdened. It was a sincere thing. And he lays this out. And um, the beauty of it is, in what we've read after God speaks to Nathan, nowhere in there does God chastise David. He didn't chastise him. Now granted, in, in Chronicles, it does say that, um, that David had blood on his hands in 1 Chronicles 28, you shall not build a house for my name because you have been a man of war and have shed blood. I don't believe that is a condemnation of David, quite frankly. I think it would be contradictory because it was God who told him to fight. I don't think David was hindered because he was a sinful man. I think God wanted to make a, a point, and I'll explain that in a moment. But nowhere is there in what God said to Nathan condemnation to David to the point where we, we even see in, in 2 Chronicles 6, uh, verses seven and nine. Now it was in the heart of my father, David, to build a temple for the name of the Lord God of Israel. But the Lord said to my father, David, where it was, whereas it was in your heart to build a temple for my name, you did well in that it was in your heart. David, that was a good thing. It was in your heart. I'm good with it. 
I'm not chastising you. I'm not criticizing you. I'm not angry at you. And as David gets this word from, from Nathan, and, and, is, and he's just blindsided. At one minute, David's already up there, and he's laying out the plans, and he's so excited. He probably can't sleep that night where Nathan's hearing from the Lord, tell him no tomorrow. And when he goes and tells him no, it's this idea that what do you do when a wholesome heart's desire is crushed? I mean, David's heart is, is crushed. And I'm, I'm, I'm moved by it. Because if you notice verse 18, after 17, he says, according to these words and according to all the visions, so Nathan spoke to David. And as soon as Nathan laid this out, David, listen to me, David, no, it's not gonna happen, buddy. I, I said yes, but God told me you need to check with me before you do this. And, uh, and the answer is no. You, 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 can't, you can't build this temple. God's not gonna have it. Look at verse 18. What do you do? Look at me. What do you do? I'm sorry. What do you do when a wholesome heart's desire is crushed? God, there's abortions throughout the land, and, and my husband and I, or my, my wife and I, want to have kids. But why can't we get pregnant? Children are a blessing from the Lord. Blessed is a man whose quiver is full. God, why? God, a, a man who finds a wife finds a good thing. Lord, I, I want to be married. I, I know that, that it's there. Either take it from me or, or bring me a wife or bring me a husband or whatever it is. It's, it's a wholesome thing. God ordained marriage. He created marriage. It, it's, it's an estate that he designed. It's the only estate that survived the fall in the Garden of Eden. You, you created me to love God and, and I, that my heart longs. I, I'm tired of being lonely. Please. God says, no. I, we can go through a, a myriad of things. I, I can think of a number of folks who've wanted to be in certain areas of ministry, and God said, no. The gifts and the calling of the Lord are irrevocable. The Bible says a man who desires the position of an overseer desires a noble thing. You desire it. And, and, and it may be, but God can say no. And, and when this wholesome desire is crushed, and God says, no, what do you do? And the part that gets me is verse 18. It says, and King David went in and sat before the Lord. I'll tell you the first thing when you, wind gets knocked out of you and God says no, I'll tell you the very first thing you do. Go sit before the Lord. You know what he could have done, which most of us do, is we can attack the human instruments or the agents of the, the negative statement. That stupid Nathan, he doesn't get it. He thinks he's a prophet, but he was wrong. And the Bible says if prophets are wrong, you should stone them. And we're a not-profit organization, and we should just kill them. <laughs> what kind of a, a pastor does he think he is? This is ridiculous. It's easy to blame a human agent. Instead of... Seeking vertical is easier to blame horizontal. And look around the room. Everybody's capable of failure. And if you want to find blame, you're not going to have any problem. And if you want to make this about you and everybody else, your world's going to be miserable, empty, cold, heartless, lifeless, bitter, and dead. Bitch about it. And that's the best word I can use. And forgive me if you're upset about it. 
Bible calls it murmuring. And that's what it takes on. And your face takes on the course of your, your mouth. And you're just, you're ungluing on everybody. This person's responsible for my failure. And this person, because that person didn't do this. And this person didn't do that. And I can't do this. One of my favorite things is when I tell the kids when they were young, if you do this, you're going you're, you're gonna to get a spanking. You're going to go to your timeout chair. So don't do this. And they do it. And I spank them. You don't spank them in anger. You spank them. Go to your chair. And they go and they sit in their chair. And um, Michelle and I would sit out the room. Molly was the best at this. They don't care. And this is stupid. I don't understand why I'm here. And she's just going on and on and on. And Kelly would do a little bit. Daniel, not so much. Michael, yeah. (laughs) Natasha was too old for the timeout chair. Wouldn't fit. A little tiny. My dad, no, my dad built it. I can't fit in. It just hurts. Like, err. And, uh, and they're just sitting there whining and anger and they're blaming and they're doing this whole thing. And, and finally, after a while, I'm just sick of it. And I just, come, come here, come, get up, come here, come here, come here, come here. And they got this look on their face and they had a little Winnie the Pooh stepping stool in the bathroom that their grandpa made. And I go, step up on that. And they'd step up on the Winnie the Pooh and they'd look in the mirror. And I'd step out of the way of the mirror and I go, just keep looking. And they're looking in and I go, you know who you're angry at? Who? The one you're looking at. <laughs> yeah. And here's why. I said, don't do it. If you do, this will be it happened. And you did it. So you're the one to blame. You're the one to blame. It's called consequences. Now, if you don't want those rules, you're going to be breathing his air and living on his dirt and drinking his water. You can't avoid the consequences of your actions before a holy God. Whine all you want all day long, but you're going to lose. Nobody wins a war with God. Even if you can mobilize the whole world and get an antichrist to stand, one angel, we don't even know his name, just ends it all and, and, and puts the devil in the abyss. The angel, but his name's Norman. I don't know. God is not mocked. We're kids. He's our father. He wants us in fellowship with him. But when we're angry and we're shaking our fist, we're not angry at him. We're angry at ourselves because we're the ones in rebellion. And so at this point, if you want to blame human agents and and make the blame vertical, instead of sit before the Lord and calm and quiet your soul and settle down. The church never helps me. They never helped me. And there's no one ever there. And the person, my neighbors didn't. And the, my ex-husband and my ex-wife and the kids and then my boss and my... Fill it in. Fill it in. And it does you no good. God said no. The human agent, God closes a door no man can open. Opens a door no man can close. Today I was trying to get some rest before I came and I made the, the dumb mistake of reading a blog in the Ventura County Star. <sighs> I'm reading this thing just going, whoa, I'll show him. It's not right. And the Lord just said, why don't you spend some time praying for that person? Oh. Well, I guess I could do that. 
when your wholesome heart's desire is broken, sit before the Lord. As David sits before the Lord, and he just realizes, God, I'm going to pour my heart out to you. And everything that David, or excuse me, everything that Nathan said, I, I just got to tell you something. As I'm sitting before you, and I'm just kind of considering everything and letting your spirit speak to my heart. I have to tell you that, the, again, the night after the election, three o'clock in the morning, I'm, I'm out on the side patio, and I'm, I'm not angry. I'm just sitting before the Lord. Would, would, you, would you at least give me a perspective on all this? Would you give me a perspective? Because... I had a wholesome heart's desire. I laid that before you and you said no. Could, could you give me your perspective on all this? And that's really what David's doing. He's sitting before the Lord going, God, I need your perspective. And, and look, you know, God says, here's my perspective, David. Verse 12, when your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers. Listen to me, buddy. I'll set up your seed after you and, you, and, and it will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He'll, he'll build a house for my name. He'll build a physical house for my name. He's going to get to do the mortar and the pestle and all that stuff. He's going he's to build this physical house and I'll establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he shall be my son. And if he commits iniquity, I'll chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul whom I removed before you. But David, your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. David, Solomon's gonna get to build an earthly temple for me. But David, I'm gonna build a heavenly throne for you. Eternal. Jesus is going to be the lion of the tribe of Judah. Isaiah would write in Isaiah 9, for unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end and upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it. That's Isaiah 9. The lineage, the, 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 the throne of David will last forever. It will declare in Revelation 5 that Jesus Christ is a lion of the tribe of Judah. They will speak of him as the son of David. You'll see in the New Testament as they cry out to, to Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Do you get it, David? And David is thinking to himself as he's sitting before the Lord, you know, I, I, all I could think of was, God, I'm in a cedar palace. I want to build you a cedar palace. I thought that that was everything that my whole life would focus on. But let me see if I have this straight. You're going to let my son build it. And you tell me it's a noble thing that was in my heart, but you're going to let him build it. And then you're going to bless me with eternity forever and my name will... And, and that... And, uh, wow. And I got to tell you, three o'clock in the morning when I sat out there and the Lord reminded me of the verses when he called me into the election, he showed me all these other things and I was laying before him just, okay, Lord, this is way bigger than I thought it was. You have a way of changing one's perspective in a manner that you could never even have fathomed. Yeah, I could have told you, you know, I could have sat there at three o'clock in the morning like, you know, David could have sat there and complained at Nathan or complained about Solomon. That stupid punk with a spoon in his mouth. He's been, he's never fought day in his life. 
He doesn't know anything. <coughs> that kid is worthless. He doesn't have any right building that. And David could whine and complain. How, how come you gave him a bigger church than me? Lord, why'd you let them get elected? <laughs> Who appoints all positions of authority? God. Rob, do you trust me? I do, Lord. You can't see it, but would you trust me that I see it? David, you don't even know how to contemplate forever. You don't even, you can't even think of the concept of forever. How long is forever? Well, it's a lot. And then I love this. As David sits before the Lord and he lays his heart out, and, and I, I love what God says, this idea. He says, you know, David, it was in your heart and it was a good thing. Now, David doesn't get to build the temple, but you know what's amazing about his heart? What happens in Matthew chapter five when Jesus says, if a man, um, com, uh, if, if a man lusts for a woman, he's committed adultery where? If a man lusts for a woman, he's committed adultery where? So if I can be guilty of adultery by thinking it, could David be a temple builder by wanting to do that? If God says to David, that was a good thing in your heart. Adultery, the lusting is a bad thing in your heart. But God is saying, David, that's a good thing in your heart. Even in your heart, you're a temple builder. For those of you who wanted to be a missionary, never could be. You're a missionary in your heart. For those of you who wanted to be pastors and you're not, you're a pastor in your heart. What does that mean? I'll explain it in a minute. Watch this. David sits before the Lord and the Lord said, who? And, and he said to the Lord, after he's, he's grasped all this and he's, he's before the Lord. And, and one thing I want to read to you, Psalm 131, before I read on. This, David wrote this when, when he was told no by God. But when Nathan told him no, David wrote, Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor my eyes lofty, nor do I concern myself with matters too profound for myself. Surely I've calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. So David basically is sitting with the Lord. He's sitting in his lap. A weaned child, if you, you know, like um, my, my grandson, Oliver, when, when it's time to eat, that kid is a monster. When it's time to eat, uh, you know, he's not weaned. He's still being breastfed. So to hold this child, he's, he's aggravating. He's a monster. He's whining. He's no fun. And then you hook him up to Molly and he's content. But the amazing thing is, and, and Micah can't even help him. I'm just saying, he's dead, but he doesn't have the tools. So, but there's going to come a time where Oliver's not going to be breastfed anymore. He's just going to come in and sit in his dad's lap. He's not going to have an agenda. He just wants to sit in daddy's lap. And so that's basically what David does. He says, I'm, I, I don't get everything, but I'm just going to sit with you. And as he sits in the father's lap, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit satiates his heart and ministers to him. He's saying, Lord, I wanted to build you a physical structure, but you're going to build me an everlasting dynasty. He just says, you know, God, I, I, I'm, I'm good with that. And, and think about what God says to us when he says no. His word declares that we will rule and reign with him, that we will sit at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We're going to be joint heirs with Christ, it says in Romans. We're going to have an inheritance that's undefiled. And we can either get bitter with the human agency or we can just rest in the Lord. But when God says no... He has a better plan. I want you to know something, what he expects from us. Our obedience. 
He wants our obedience. That means that there's support and there's humility and there's cooperation with God. There's no whining. There's no complaining. There's no doing any of that. So God says to him, all these things, and David's response is he sits in the, in the lap of the Lord and the Holy Spirit ministers to him. Verse 18 says, Who am I, O Lord God? <clears throat> and what is my house that you have brought me this far? Lord, I, I'm a son of Jesse, and I was the least of his sons. And I'm sitting in a cedar palace over the unification of all of Israel. And, and yet, this was a small thing in your sight. I mean, there's thousands of shepherd boys, and you pick me. I mean, I marveled that, but for you, it was nothing. I mean, you hold the heavens in the span of your hand. Who am I that you're even mindful of me? God, this is no small thing for you. This is just so simple. Oh, Lord God, and you have also spoken of your servant's house for a great while to come. Is that the manner of man? That you would honor me in such a capacity that you would do that for me? Do you realize tonight your name is written in the Lamb's book of life? Do you realize what he's done? He's cast your sins as far as the east is from the west to be remembered no more. Do you realize you're going to live forever in his presence? There'll be no sadness, no sorrow, no sickness, no weeping, no gnashing of teeth, no pain. But he said no. And David, is, is, when, he's, when he's sitting with the Lord, he sees it. And the first thing when, you're, when your wholesome heart's desire is crushed is to sit with the Lord and get his perspective. Verse 20, now what more can David say to you? He speaks of himself in the third person. What, what could I even possibly say to you? For you, Lord God, know your servant. You know everything about me. You know that, wow. For your word's sake and according to your own heart, you've done all these great things to make your servant know them. God, I, as I sit here, you're even revealing this to me. You, you even use Nathan to speak to me. God, I am blown away. You are great, O oh Lord God. There is none like you, nor is there any God beside you. According to all the things we have heard from our ears, God, I'm blown away by this. And as he goes on to declare praise to the Lord, it's fascinating to me what happens in these other passages. I'm always reminded of it. You know, David can reflect on the afflictions and he can reflect on all the struggles. He can go back and think of Ziklag. He can think of Nabal. He can think of Saul. He can think of the struggles. He can think of all the heartache and the Engedi. He can think of, of being hunted like he can, God, I did all these things for you. You owe this to me. But David doesn't do that. He even wrote in Psalm 34, verse 19, he said, many of the afflictions of the righteous, comma. I'm glad there's a comma there. Because if it was many of the afflictions of the wicked, it would be a period. Let me say that again. Many of the afflictions of the righteous, comma, but the Lord delivers him out of all of them. The word all means all. But many of the afflictions of the wicked, period. There's no heaven waiting for you if you're wicked. Why are you wicked? Because you haven't been cleansed in the blood of the Lamb. You're not wicked because of your, what you've done. You're wicked because you haven't embraced what Christ has done for you. We're not righteous because what we've done. We're righteous because of what Christ has done for us. You're wicked because you reject what Christ has done for you. We're both wicked. We who embrace what Christ has done for us just happen to be righteous, not because of what we've done, but because of what he's done. You happen to be wicked because you reject what he's done to make you righteous. That's the gift of salvation. And so when David sees this and he's, 
He's burdened by it. This is the part that I kind of want to close with tonight. He looks at this, and as he, he sees what God has done, and God says no to the temple, you know, David doesn't sulk and whine. And for those of you who had your heart broken because your wholesome dream was crushed, let me show you what David does. First Chronicles 29, I won't go through it tonight because of the sake of time, we've only got nine minutes left, but King David said to all the assembly, my son Solomon, whom alone God has chosen, is young and inexperienced, and the work is great because the temple is not for a man but for the Lord God. Now for all the house of my God, I have prepared with all my might, with all my heart. You know what David did? He couldn't build the temple, so he prefabbed it for Solomon. God gave him the layout. He probably said, this is stone number one. It goes next to stone number two. Because you've got a stone head, Solomon, and I'm just helping you. Because you're dumber than a box of rocks. And wait, no, he's smarter than the wisest man ever lived. But he's laying out the extent of this palace. He's got it all laid out. He's prefabbed it. He's, he's pouring all of his money into it. You know what that means? Did God, not, did God say no to you being on the mission field? If you're still a missionary in your heart, why don't you start supporting missionaries with all your heart? Did God say no to you being a pastor? Well, it's still a noble heart's desire. You're a pastor in your heart. Why don't you support pastors? Did God say no to children? You're still a parent in your heart. Why don't you go deal with foster kids and minister to them? Why don't you take care of your sister's kids, your brother's kids? Why don't you adopt? David, David didn't whine and complain. He prefabbed the temple. He wasn't allowed to build it, but he made sure that he, he helped the next generation to do it. He just laid it all out, and it was in his heart. And I, I think of this idea of you don't have a husband, but you can pray for other people's marriages. You don't have a wife, you can pray for other people's marriages. I just think of how God can use these areas in our life. And then I, I close with this last thought. When it says in um, in First Chronicles twenty eight, you shall not build a house for my name because you have been a man of war and have shed blood. Can you think of the idea in the scriptures where the veil was torn? And I think it was Matthew twenty seven in the holy of holies. The veil was torn because the blood of the lamb was shed and. Christ's blood was sufficient for past, present, and future sins. And all the, the blood of the sacrifice of the animals prior to that was only a representation of the Lamb of God who was to come. And what God said to David is, and I, I believe this, I don't think he rejected him from building the temple because he was a man of war. Or he had blood on his hands. I believe that the reason why he stated that is he said, David, your kingdom will be forever. And, and I'm going to let Solomon build it because the reality is your name is going to be associated with my sacrifice. A lion of the tribe of Judah, the lamb of God, shed for the sins of, of the world. And so David, it's, it's the blood we speak of. And, and I, I look at that and I think, God didn't chastise David. He said, that's a good thing in your heart. And, and David wasn't burdened by it. Psalm 131, he just said, God... I calm and quiet my soul. I rest in you. He didn't blame Nathan or anyone else. He didn't blame horizontal. He sat in, with the Father and had a vertical conversation. And his heart was calmed and quieted like a weaned child. And he marveled at the perspective of God. 
Calm down. Stop whining. God said no. Sit in his lap and gain his perspective. And if he gave you a heart to be a missionary, but he closed the door to the mission field, guess what you are? You're a missionary in your heart. Start loving on missionaries. God said no to children. You're still a parent in your heart. Love on foster kids. Love on adopted kids. Love on your sister's kids or your brother's kids or your neighbor's kids or the kids in our Sunday school. Just because it didn't go your way Don't blame the horizontal. Sit in the Father's lap and gain an eternal vertical perspective. And it makes life so much more enjoyable. And I'll tell you what, you're going to have your mind blown when you get God's perspective on it all. That moment at three o'clock in the morning was one of the most profound moments of my life. Even sitting in the courtroom today, I would have never imagined we would have gotten this far. I, I longed to, but there were so many times... I thought God closed a door. First case, God closes a door. Insurance company, God closes a door. This, God closes a door. He closed so many doors that the only way that there was going to be a victory is it had to be him. And I was in that courtroom today going, wow. I, wow. Even their, 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 their witnesses, it's like their mouth was controlled. Wow. How, the, the, the judge, wow, and there's, there's more to come, there's going to be little no's in life, but we got a big eternity awaiting us.